Welcome to Chowder and Grits. Today is Wednesday, March 20th, and Tim, you know what that means. It is March Madness Eve. The brackets made it. are upon us, and uh, as you are scurrying to fill out your remaining bracket to win those big bucks, whatever it is that you're doing, uh, you're going to want to listen to what we have to what we have to say today. A lot of a uh, lot of good insight, a lot of uh, good news and notes around the ACC. You're going to get our reaction to everything that is uh, that has transpired over the last few days. Uh, who's in? Who's out? Why did certain teams get in? Uh, all of that jazz. But uh, Tim, what's uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods? The madness is upon us. I just got done watching NC State dispatch Hofra in the NIT tournament, or Hofstra. I should say, um, and that was a good game. Uh, the The crowd was into it, which is always kind of a roll of the dice with a team that got uh, snubbed from the NCAA tournament. Will the fans show up? Uh, the fans did show up, and the Wolfpack are winners and moving on to the next round. So we get tournament basketball almost every day for the next, you know, let's call it two weeks here, and, and it doesn't get a whole lot better than this when you're talking college sports. So I'm ready to get into it. Um, you know, I'm ready to start talking brackets, bracket busters, Cinderella stories, and uh, looking forward to it, man. Yeah, I was uh, I was watching a little bit of the Prairie View Fairly Dickinson game before uh, before this, which is that that fun little uh, first four is what they're calling it these days. You know, it right. it really doesn't make any sense to me why two eleven seeds are in a play-in game. Like, if you want to make the tournament super interesting. Why don't you have your 16 seeds and your 15 seeds have the play-in games, and then that way you have a higher qualified team at a higher seed throw a little wrench into the system. Doesn't that make more sense? It does, right? And they have they have one play-in game for a 16 seed. Yeah, they have two um, of them. Two of them. Yeah. But they're doing it with seeds that are, you know, high up. And in some cases, they are the last four at-large bids, which typically go to if not power five teams and teams that certainly are getting at large bids because they performed well throughout the year. Um, you know, if we're going to do it, like you said, let's throw in some would be 16 seeds. Let's get some of the worst leagues in their automatic qualifiers through the tournament and have them go head to head. That makes more sense if we're going to see who the best basketball team is. Yeah. I, I just, I don't like it to be honest um, that an 11 seed has to do it, whether you're the last at large bid in or not. Um, Oftentimes you've got teams that are 500 or, you know, worse, and they're not in these play-in games. But, you know, I would say it puts you at a disadvantage, but we saw VCU make it to the Final Four, and they were in that play-in game that year. So, sure. um, you know, it is what it is. It's that time of year. you got to win or you go home. So it's uh, really no time for excuses. But uh, just kind of recapping what went on on Selection Sunday. So we saw seven ACC teams get in. And first time since 2009, um, and only the second time ever, that three teams from the same conference landed a one seed. So who am I talking about there, Tim? I'm talking about Duke, UVA, and North Carolina. So... I'd been saying for a couple of weeks that I thought North Carolina deserved a one seed. I didn't think they'd get it, but they got it, which uh, I had no no qualms about. Um, if anything, I was surprised that Gonzaga landed the fourth one seed after the 
sheer, you know, misery that <laughs> St. Mary's put them through right. in their conference title game. But, right. you know, I don't have any real issues with that either, you know, Tim. But uh, rounding out the ACC, we had Virginia Tech and Florida State pull in four seeds. Louisville pulled in a seven seed and Syracuse pulled in an eight seed. And that's that's it for the ACC. Then if you look at the conference breakdown, you had the Big Ten leading the way with eight teams. ACC, SEC each with seven. Big 12, the weak Big 12 in my opinion, pulled in six. The American Conference Big East each had four. Pac-12 landed three thanks to Oregon winning the tournament. They were probably not going to be in. Um, the Atlantic 10 has two, thanks to St. Louis, Virginia Tech's first-round matchup, uh, shocking everybody as a sixth seed in that tournament and uh, beating everyone on the way to a 8-10 championship. Uh, the Mountain West has two, OVC, WCC, each have two, and then there's a slew of conferences with one. But, uh, Tim, that takes us to the talking point. You know, I, I think the only real snub that the ACC had was NC State. And before I let you kind of hit on that, um, I just I had I had issue with it, not because they were left out, but because of two teams in particular that were really three that were put in over NC State. So I'll I'll start in order from most or least disgusted to most disgusted. Uh, St. John's. You know, not sure how they made this tournament. They're an 11 seed. Um, finished the season 9-12. and 12. Did have wins Oof. over Marquette and Villanova. Villanova is a 6 seed in this tournament. Not what they have been, but they're still solid. Uh, but they kind of stumbled their way in. The next team that I'm uh, more disgusted with is Ohio State. 2-6 and six down the stretch. 8-12 and 12 conference record. Only 19-14 and 14 overall. You know, I just how do, how Ridiculous. do you go two and six down the stretch and make it in? But Tim, the team that I have so many questions about, it makes no sense to me. Their seating, it's two years in a row they shouldn't have been in the tournament, and here they are. I'm talking about your Oklahoma Sooners. They get in yeah. seven and eleven conference record in the Big Twelve. Big Twelve is a conference that only had five teams with a record. Of 500 or better. Only four of those teams had a winning record. They go 19 and 13 overall. And the best part about it, Tim, they go 4 and 8 down the stretch with a loss to West Virginia, who is <laughs> awful oh, in the man. first round of the Big 12 tournament. And they got a nine seed on top of it. So, <laughs> first off, they shouldn't have even been in the tournament. No but, question. But the fact that they pulled a nine seed. Right. I'm just, I'm dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded. Yeah. I, I am too. Um, when you compare the teams that you just listed to NC State's resume, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, when, when the, uh, the chairman of the selection committee was talking and doing interviews on Selection Sunday with CBS, he was asked what was off-putting about NC State. And he mentioned NC State had a ton of chances to get uh, signature wins, if you will. Uh, quadrant, one, quadrant one wins, that's hard to say. Um, and that other teams like Belmont had just got those wins. Well, 
um, looking back and, and looking at those numbers, it turns out like teams like Belmont got two quadrant one wins. NC State had three. Um, if you actually go line by line in the numbers, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense as to why NC State would be excluded given who was included. Um, you've highlighted some of those, but Oklahoma is just absolutely egregious. I mean, that that is a bad bad Big 12 right now, and you're going to tell me that Oklahoma, who had a losing conference record, is going to somehow be in the tournament? I I can't fathom what would have led to that, and the, the thinking is so inconsistent that it's hard to apply it with a broad brush and say, okay, you know, NC State maybe under, under these circumstances could have got in, but looking at the field, eh, you can kind of see why they didn't. It's the exact opposite here. If you told me that Oklahoma was going to be in this tournament and going to be in the field, I would assume that NC State would be looking in and looking down at Oklahoma from a seeding perspective. It's ridiculous to me that we're even having this conversation, and I'm not going to get too torn up. Look, NC State had their chances to get a signature win. Nobody is doubting that. But when you actually peel into the numbers and look at what they were put up against, look at what they were able to accomplish, it's not that bad. You know, they took a number one overall overall seed to overtime. Um, granted, uh, losses don't really count for you, but that's one certainly the selection committee could have taken into account if they were saying, hey, how close was NC State to a signature win? Well, there was one. Um, and then look at everything that we're able to do. Five of their losses came against one seeds in the NCAA tournament. How many of those other bubble teams had losses against one seeds, let alone five? Yeah. You want to talk to me about strength of schedule? That's what you get How many for other playing people? in the ACC. Right. How, but you want to harp on strength of schedule. How many of those other teams played five one seeds during the regular season? Don't come at me about NC State having a weak schedule. The difference between St. Peter's and UNC Asheville, while it's 100 points in the ranking system from a talent perspective, you're going to tell me there's that much of a difference? Look at who NC State NC State beat the SEC champions, Auburn, during the regular season. NC State scheduled teams like Vanderbilt and Penn State and other Power 5 opponents. And, and some of these teams that, were, that didn't have to worry about this whole knock on their schedule didn't play any. It's just insane to me that we're having these conversations when we're looking at teams like Ohio State and Oklahoma in the tournament. That's what irritates me is not the fact that NC State's left out, which is what you mentioned. It's who was included to get to this point. Now, to add on top of all of the hilarity of that exclusion, you have the fact that the NCAA comes out last year and says, okay, the RPI is a flawed metric. We don't want to use the RPI anymore. We want to make our own calculation that's going to take into account many factors such as home and away games, uh, strength of schedule, all those things and roll it into one tidy ranking system that we can use as the basis to determine who's in and who's out of this tournament. Lo and behold, NC State had a 33 in the net rankings. They were the highest team in the net rankings not to make the tournament. Yeah, Teams Saint, like St. John's? St. John's 73. 73. So, so you're going to tell me that you're going to make this brand new shiny metric. It's like having a new tool that you can't wait you get it on Christmas, and you can't wait for that project where you can actually apply that tool, use that new drill, and you get there, and instead you go ahead and hang your TV with a, with a hammer and chisel. It's just nonsense. And to me, to me, they'll never come out and say this, but I feel like the selection committee was swayed by talking heads in the media who spewed trash about NC State without actually doing their research and looking why, looking at why NC State had such a bad record from a strength of schedule standpoint. Why was NC State's strength of schedule one of the worst, if not the worst, in the nation? 
It's not because they were scared. It wasn't because they were scheduling hard teams. They had wins against Auburn. It was because lazy people said things like, oh, NC State doesn't pass the eye test. This doesn't look like an NCAA tournament team. Or latched on to the strength of schedule as the one metric that you could point to that would say NC State is not an NCAA tournament team. Because I'm sorry, if you have a, an ACC team that's above 500 with a signature win and they don't get in the tournament, that's nonsense, especially when you look at who else is included. Yeah, so it leads me to the mailbag question from uh, from our buddy Will. How did the Big Ten get more teams in than the ACC? And I don't know because, as you mentioned, NC State was over 500 in the ACC. Minnesota and Ohio State, were both below 500 in the Big Ten. And not just below 500, Ohio State was four games under 500, okay? Right. I mentioned they struggled down the stretch. One and eight against the AP Top 25. One and nine against the USA Today Top 25. How are you going to say that the conference that pulled in three number one seeds, two fours, a seven and an eight. How is that conference not stronger than the conference that has eight teams? And then the last team that got in from that conference has been trash. Yeah. How do you put that team in over the team that has 22 wins and above 500 record in the conference? And like you said, I don't think it's necessarily that it was the strength of schedule. I do agree that, you know, people in the media that didn't really know what they were talking about. You can hear it this time of year if you follow a particular conference where, you know, they, Jay Williams said it the other day. You know, Justin Robinson's missed almost the entire season. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. He just hasn't played since the end of January. So you don't right. know what you're talking about. So it's just an ill-informed opinion, and then something like that gets taken way out of context, and then it just blows up into this media firestorm. I also think what was working against NC State was the 24-point game. No question. No question. I think that was playing into people's minds, but at the end of the day, they did more to me than Ohio State did. And Ohio State right. does not have any unbelievable wins on their schedule and they didn't really challenge themselves that much out of conference so I, I really don't get the argument if you have an apples to apples comparison one apple is better than the other one and the one that's in wasn't the good apple no and, and you could have made cases for Clemson over these teams that were included and I don't think Clemson was an NCAA tournament team no but you're gonna tell me it's all about the opportunities that NC State squandered when you put in teams in poorer conferences in the ACC with losing conference records, and you're going to hold that up as the flag saying, hey, this is why we did what we did. It's complete horse crap. They buckled to people in the media that were blowing things out of proportion in regards to NC State's strength of schedule. They bought into that old moniker, well, okay, we can't have a team in with a bad strength of schedule. Well, if you looked into the actual schedule, you would see it wasn't that bad. The way it was constructed was fairly good. The only problem was the bad teams were really, really bad. And are you going to tell me that there's that much of a difference between the 250th ranked basketball team and the 350th ranked basketball team? There's not. The NC State would have trounced either. And it's just, it's annoying to me to see people at this stage in the game latching on to one statistic and citing it 
as if that tells you anything about a college basketball team, a game of metrics, and you're going to point to one metric in such a nuanced sport and say, this is the reason why we're not including this team versus the body of work that includes so many other metrics. This is NC State as a tournament team. Things more obvious like conference record, win-loss, signature wins. ridiculous and you know this is all i'll say about it but as far as will's question goes i have no idea i'm right there with you it it doesn't seem consistent to me at all it just doesn't no it's definitely not consistent but you know it's uh you you get a couple of these things every year and you know what blew my mind on sunday was they pull up the graphic of teams that were left out and nc state's not even on the screen (laughs) right you know, my theory as to why they didn't do that is because they showed the net rankings. How ridiculous would it have looked to have NC State up there at net ranking 33 juxtaposed against all those in the high 40s and, and, and mid to high 50s? Yeah. It would look stupid. It would have made the NCAA tournament committee look stupid. It just, it just felt like complete oversight in every, yeah. in every facet to me. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if they were in that meeting and they just said, hey, NC State had 353rd ranked schedule. Done. On to the next one. Because um, if you dig into that any further, it becomes quite obvious that NC State was an NCAA tournament team. Right. But, you know. Yeah. So let's jump into the games. Uh, you know, I think we're going to go through the first round of games here with ACC teams. And, uh, you know, let's go. Let's start by day. So Thursday, we've got Syracuse and Baylor. So these are two teams that are kind of limping into the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Syracuse has been pretty good defensively this year um, with that special little zone that they play. And to me, Syracuse is a team that's hard to bet against in the NCAA tournament. They were a uh, sweet 16 team last year as an 11 seed. They had a sweet little run. What was it? Two, three years ago as a 10 seed uh, helped out by the Michigan state to middle Tennessee (laughs) loss uh, that kind of propelled them into the sweet 16. And then they ended up in the final four, um, before before losing but yeah Syracuse is a team that I don't want to play in the tournament um so that's a tough little 8-9 matchup I'm definitely going ACC over Big 12 here um I don't know if you have anything to add there uh, not a lot other than I really like uh I really like Syracuse's experiment experience in the tournament and as you mentioned they've got experience making runs as a team that we thought didn't have much to offer um, that 2-3 zone becomes a real thorn in everyone's side when they see it this late in the season. Um, and it's kind of a break from the norm from what teams were seeing in conference play. Uh, you got an experienced coach over a bunch of guys who can, you know, proven that they can at least make some noise in this tournament. I'm going to go with Syracuse. Maybe that's just my blind allegiance to the ACC. But as you mentioned, Baylor was just getting dragged toward the end of the year. Um, you know, Iowa, Iowa State just throttled them in the Big 12 tournament. So I... T- just doesn't seem like they have a lot to offer right now either. It's really a game of two dogs, in my opinion. Um, but I think I like Syracuse a little better. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't think Syracuse gets by Gonzaga. I think it is probably a good game. Um, Gonzaga likes to play tight games in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, my thing with Gonzaga is, you know, I, they're always a great team. But I think when you start to see, you know, better talent, game in game out in this tournament it starts to wear on them a little bit and that's kind of why they've only been to one final four so um yeah under mark few at least but i do think gonzaga gets by syracuse lands in the sweet 16 um so yeah. we'll, we'll see i, I think so too i think so too but you know from a gonzaga perspective it's got to be hard 
uh, to play in the conference they play and essentially play meaningless basketball for three months um, and just say, okay, now we got to turn. We got to flip that switch. We got to go into tournament mode. We got to win our conference tournament mode, or we got to go win our conference tournament, and then we got to get ready and start winning some NCAA tournament games. Um, it has to be difficult, right? Because that conference, there's just not a lot of tests there for them. I got to tell you, though, I, I love flipping on a uh, Gonzaga-St. Mary's game um, with, oh, like, yeah. high school-level bleachers at, like, 11.30 p.m. <laughs> and it's Something about it, man. Man, it's just, it's got this kind of, I think it's like that Maui Invitational feel. I think that's oh, probably yeah. why I like it. But Oh, yeah. No, really, seriously, if you can ever catch a Pepperdine-Gonzaga game, it's the, Pepperdine is the same way. It's one of the smallest gyms I've ever seen. But, um, you know, the rivalry is a pretty big deal. It's a fun game to watch if you can ever catch it. Uh, so Florida State-Vermont is uh, another game that is going to be played on Thursday. Florida State is a team I like a lot in this tournament. They've got the size. They play some of the best defense in the country, specifically in the ACC. So if you're playing the best defense in the ACC, you're playing the best defense in the country. Um, you know, they've got a lot of big wins. They've beaten Florida, LSU, Purdue, Louisville. They've beaten Virginia Tech twice, and they dismantled virginia in the acc tournament um so i really like florida state vermont is a team that took down our beloved umbc retrievers in their conference tournament and uh you know kept them out of the ncaa tournament this year so vermont is your america american east winner um I kind of like picking Vermont here and there just as a nice little 13 seed upset, sure. but I can't, I can't do it this year. Yeah, no, you, you can't. Vermont has a great history of playing well out of that 13 to 14 seed range. Um, you know, a lot of tournament history with that school in the AEC, uh, but nothing's going to happen to Florida state here in the first round. Christ Kamaji is going to be just unstoppable. Um, you know, as tall as and as athletic as he is, and, and Terrence Mann is going to do what Terrence Mann does. FSU's not going to have any trouble. Um, I see them easily getting into that second round game. So the uh, the next game, the last game on Thursday for the ACC, Louisville versus Minnesota, and you alluded to this cheeky selection by the selection committee. <laughs> uh, it yeah. is Rick Pitino's son, who I believe Rick Pitino will be on the sidelines with him perfect, perfect. <laughs> helping him coach against his his former school uh, a place in which he has not stepped foot he has not stepped foot in the state of kentucky since since this whole thing went down Ooh. so obviously some uh some bad blood there but you know minnesota is a team that i like more than i do louisville yeah uh, so minnesota's the 10 seed but um they played pretty well in the Big Ten tournament. They defeated Purdue. Um, you know, they they uh, they took down Michigan State on the on their way into the tournament. Um, they haven't played that consistently throughout the year, but as of late, they're playing pretty well. Louisville is a team, on the other hand, that has really struggled since about mid February, maybe even before that. I've lost track of time, but they. Uh, it, Somehow they pulled a seven seed in this tournament, which I thought was way too high. Um, but here they are. They're a team that if they play like they know how to play, uh, they can be pretty dangerous. But um, if you saw the Duke-Louisville game, that first half, that was a really dangerous Louisville team. That second half, that's kind of the Louisville we've been seeing down the stretch. So um, who knows? They could wake up come tournament time, but I'm going to go with Minnesota in this one. 
Yeah, uh, it's got to be Minnesota. Louisville is, uh, you know, that old saying, rock it until the wheels fall off. Well, they've rocked it, and the wheels have certainly falled off and, and falled off, have fallen off, and they're uh, rolling across the finish line right now with sparks flying on an axle. So we'll see if they can make it any further down the stretch. But, you know, the one thing about Minnesota that worries me is their three-point shooting is fairly poor, uh, and I always always want to fade teams going into the NCAA tournament not shooting well but I think Amir Coffey who's a 6'8 guard uh, on Minnesota that's you know averaging around 17 points a game has been really good all season I expect him to be hard to guard and uh, and he'll continue to do what he does so we'll see I'm definitely taking Minnesota in this game and 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 going on to the next round with Minnesota Louisville's gonna bow out a little early in this tournament in my opinion yeah well whoever wins they've got a pretty tough matchup after that Michigan State and uh I don't think Michigan State is going to have an early exit like they have the last couple of years. I think they might go pretty deep in the into this tournament, but you know we've said that before, and they've lost to Middle Tennessee, so you never sure. know. Sure. Uh, jumping into Friday, we've got Duke against to be determined for now. I don't think it really matters. Duke's going to advance. <laughs> um, sure. UVA versus Gardner Webb. That is not going to be a repeat from last year. You know, sorry to all you UVA haters. Uh, it's just not going to happen. UNC against Iona, another one versus 16. None of these teams have anything to worry about. That being said, I do find some of their second-round matchups very intriguing. So Duke will play either UCF or VCU in the second round, and I think there's a very good chance UCF advances um, and will mm-hmm. to play Duke in that second round. Uh, UCF is a team that has... Uh, I'm just going to call him Taco because that's his name. And he is a <laughs> big old Taco. Seven God, foot six. Tall. And <laughs> you're a just, big taco, that's, Justin. A, that's a big old Taco. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's he's just one of those guys who he's on the floor and he just dwarfs everybody oh, else. Oh, man. It's wild. Obviously not super athletic, but I would be interested to see how that kind of affects the inside game for Duke. Um, And UCF is actually a very solid team. So um, beat Houston earlier this year. Um, You know, they can, they can compete with the best of them. But I mean, I think Duke ends up advancing to the sweet 16. Um, But I, I, I do want to see that taco Zion matchup. Well, yeah, we're going to get a good matchup in that second round regardless because if VCU wins, right, VCU is going to give anyone trouble with the way that they play. Sure. Especially this time of year, they're built to make you uncomfortable and they're going to make you run. Um, that Havoc defense is serious. Uh, and, you know, I I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up game with UCF. I'm going to take VCU in that game um, only because of their style. But UCF, again, matchup problems everywhere, especially when you've got a seven-six guy named Taco. And, um, you know, he's not the most athletic guy as anyone who's seven, six would be, but he's no Sean Bradley either. Um, it'll be interesting. And, you know, UCF's a team you want to watch just to see taco, you know, I mean, that's a headliner right there. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I obviously have Duke cruising past the sweet 16, but I think that's, that's a game that could worry me, especially if I'm a Duke fan, I'm kind of uneasy with the way we're shooting the three still. That's still making me nervous. I know Zion's there to always bail us out at this point. But if if Zion struggles, and there's a seven foot six player named Taco on the other side, and things could get a little hectic. Yeah, yeah, I'm really undecided on who I'm picking in that VCU UCF game because I always love picking VCU in this tournament. Oh yeah, um, you know one of the hometown team for me, and uh, 
you know, they, they do play that Havoc style of basketball, which is very tough to compete against um, if you haven't seen it, especially leading into this tournament. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I think either game, Duke, UCF, VCU, would be it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and then UVA, they will play uh, – well, I'm just going to go ahead and say they're going to play Mississippi because I'm just disgusted <laughs> Oklahoma's in the tournament. So, yeah. uh, you know, UVA is in an interesting region where there's a lot of teams that play very similar basketball as they do, um, which I think can be good for them or could be really bad because if they run into a team that plays pretty well on offense, um, I think – you know, that could pose issues for UVA, at least in the first couple of rounds. I don't think they have anything to worry about against Mississippi. I think they cruise into the second round or into the uh, Sweet 16. The uh, I've got Kansas State against Oregon. I've got a 12 over 5 upset, which I'll talk about a little bit later. And I think there's a good chance Oregon could make it to the Sweet 16. I'm not leaning that way yet, but um, Oregon's a team who's kind of hot right now. And they've got some nice offensive playmakers. I would kind of like to see that matchup against UVA, just to see kind of how they uh, how they'd interact with the team that is very good defensively, but then can also hurt you offensively as well. Yeah, yeah, I've got um, I've kind of got the same thing you have going on, except a little change when we move on from Virginia. Virginia, I've obviously got cruising on into the Sweet 16. I don't think Ole Miss is going to be able to test them a whole lot. Um, Gardner Webb, I got to give them a shout out being from the great state of North Carolina. Uh, obviously I don't think they'll have uh, what's needed in the tank to compete, uh, like UMBC did last year with Virginia. However, uh, if we're going to play the mascot game, uh, the UMBC retrievers and the Gardner Webb bulldogs are both dog mascots. So, um, you know, if there's some kind of phobia with dogs from Virginia, we may see it rear its ugly head again here at 16 to one. Um, I've got Ole Miss over Oklahoma because, as you said, Oklahoma does not deserve to be anywhere near this tournament. Not And to see them with a nine next to their name is enough to make your blood pressure rise. I will take Oklahoma in the first-round game. Uh, you know pretty much know a five over 12 is going to happen. I don't think that's the one. Um, underneath that, I have UC Irvine winning. I think that's actually one of the upset shouts um, that I'm going to go with on my bracket. But uh, moving on, I, I see Wisconsin getting past UC Irvine in the, in the next round. And then, if the suicide rates in this country weren't already already rising at a fast enough clip, we would be blessed with the the ability to watch number one Virginia go against number five Wisconsin in what would be the most awful awful basketball game in the history of the North Carolina or the NCAA tournament. It would be atrocious. I mean, it would literally be like watching a game where no one wants to play the actual sport. It's going to look more like rugby than basketball. And I can't wait. I'm team chaos. And that's what I want to see. So I'm looking forward to a Virginia Wisconsin matchup in the sweet 16. Wow. That would be something for the ages. Like that game might not get above like 41 points per team. Is it possible to have negative ratings in an NCAA tournament game? Because I think you might get close in the second half. Well, you'd have to see, yeah, you'd, you'd have to see people who flocked. So right. your average session time would be about five minutes, and then people wouldn't be able to kind of bear it any longer. I mean, Wisconsin's oh. a team. They're kind of a one-horse one, one uh, horse in the stable kind of team. Ethan Happ is a very good player, a guy who almost went pro last year and probably will be in the NBA. But he... Uh, really struggles from the free throw line and uh oh yeah it hurts him because he gets to the line a lot yeah so you know wisconsin's a team that 
they're just they're tough to. That's why I, get, I went with Oregon in that first round is because they struggle so much to score consistently, and that's that's a bad trait to have coming into tournament play. So I do kind of want to see that UVA Wisconsin matchup just because it's like kind of a bad wreck that you just can't look away from. But oh, yeah. at the same time, I feel like Wisconsin getting the Sweet 16 this year might be kind of a stretch. Yeah. Well, look here, man. I, I, I see the Titanic headed for the iceberg, and I'm all for it. Um, that's going to be a horrendous occasion. Uh, but I'm here for it, man. Let's see it. It's like you have Ethan Happ and then what seems like six other Greg Paulus-type players on that Wisconsin team, and I'm ready for them to wreak havoc on the the Virginia Cavaliers. I actually have them going on past that game. So um, clearly my bracket is doomed from the jump. You've got who going on past that game? I have Wisconsin moving on. That's where I have Virginia ending their tournament run. Okay, wow. Have you ever seen that Spider-Man meme where Spider-Man is pointing at Spider-Man? No. That's this game. It's basically Spider-Man pointing at another Spider-Man that looks exactly like him. That's what this is. It's two teams that are identical. It's a coin flip as to which one is going to walk out. And I'm I'm thinking Wisconsin is just battle ready, and they are way better at being an ugly basketball team than Virginia is because Virginia just started being ugly. Wisconsin was born in the ugly. Yeah, I I just UVA is is less ugly this year than Wisconsin, and so yeah. I'm I I advanced UVA to the Elite Eight. I can talk about that matchup a little bit later but uh for UNC you know UNC is in kind of a very difficult bracket Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way but you know Utah State is a team that I like a lot over Washington uh this school was picked to finish ninth in the Mountain West ends up splitting the regular season title with Nevada and then wins the conference tournament um so you know, they're they're a team that is dangerous. They could score some points, uh, led by Sam Merrill, who's averaging twenty one points a game. Mm-hmm. He uh he and Utah State might give North Carolina a run for its money. I think UNC yep. still comes out on top, but uh, I think that game's gonna be pretty close. And then I've also got UNC against Auburn. I thought Auburn was a little bit underseeded in this one sure um, I, think so I, I thought they would come in a little bit higher than a five seed but uh, I don't like Kansas much at all um, nope. and uh, I think Auburn is far better than Kansas and I think that is the sweet 16 matchup UNC against Auburn would not yep. be surprised if Auburn uh, was able to knock off North Carolina um, and I'll, I'll say that about North Carolina basically for the rest of the tournament once they get to the sweet 16 because if they get past Auburn you know, most likely they're going to be playing Kentucky, and then, you know, it's just it's tough opponent after tough opponent. So UNC cannot have a night off. Lucky for them, they've been playing some really good basketball. Uh, you know, I think they were a Kobe White ball rimming out away from probably going on to win the ACC tournament. Um, but I don't know. I don't know where you've got UNC. I've got them in the Final Four, but... Uh, yeah, I'm not like super comfortable with that pick. I'm right there with you. Um, I like Utah State a lot. I had a hard time. I went back and forth. I could see Utah State even beating North Carolina in that game um, in the second round. I love Auburn. I think Auburn is an underrated athletic, great three-point shooting team. Um, they're just dynamic to watch them, and they fight for every possession. I, I really, really like what Auburn's been through this year. 
Um, they went through a rough patch. They bounced back, and they've shown that they can win in a tournament format. So I, I can't say the same for Kansas. I don't love Kansas. Uh, this year just hasn't been your typical Kansas team, and I think they got uh, seated where they're seated a little bit on name alone. Um, I like Auburn in this matchup going through to to play North Carolina in the Sweet 16, and I have been waffling on this pick. My heart uh, wants to pick Auburn. My brain says it's UNC. Um, I feel like I'm going to end up regretting this and saying, oh, you should have gone with your heart, your gut on this one, but I've got North Carolina going through. Uh, but that's going to be a tough one. Uh, part of that, I think, maybe led to me wanting to see a Kentucky-North Carolina matchup um, in the Elite Eight. But anyway, uh, we've got uh, Auburn-North Carolina, and I took uh, North Carolina in that game. Yeah, I mean, I'm reserving the right to change because I'm also struggling with, with Auburn because it's a team that plays very good defense. They forced mm-hmm. the most turnovers of any team in the country. Uh, Bryce Brown, Jared Harper, those two guys from three are lethal they tend to get into trouble when uh, their uh, big guy, Chuma Oki, gets gets into foul trouble. So if he can kind of stay uh, off the bench, you know, Auburn should be able to hang with anybody. Um, it's just kind of when does it run out for Auburn. I mean, you mentioned the rough patch. Um, it, they they played time since that patch ended, and that was against Kentucky, yeah. and that was a shellacking, but... That, that's the only blemish on their resume, basically, since early February. So they're a team that's right. super hot right now. North Carolina's a team that's pretty hot. But uh, I think that's going to be a fun matchup. I think that's a really tough draw for North Carolina. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm reserving the right to change my pick there. I'm not 100% sold. But I also don't feel comfortable putting Kentucky in the Final Four and I have a feeling if I pick Auburn over North Carolina, I'm going to pick Kentucky. So, I don't know. Right. Just, that's the kind of the that's the mind games you play with yourself these t- this time of year, you know. Yeah, and this is this is the one I probably have struck. I have a finished bracket uh, for the tournament challenge on ESPN. I'm pretty sure I'm settled, um, but I do reserve the right to make this change because something is pulling me towards Auburn in this tournament. Uh, and, and something all years kind of nagged me about UNC just missing that one just, you know, Duke has Zion Williamson. UNC's got, a, I guess, Kobe White would be that guy as far as a dynamic playmaking scorer. Um, but something about UNC just hasn't captured me like they have in past years from the basketball, from what I've seen. Um, the results speak differently, but this is just something that I've seen and felt. And um, watching Auburn through that SEC tournament, you just looked at them and they felt like a team that was peaking at the right time. Um, and man, a team that can play defense like that and shoot as well as they can shoot is is rare in, in the NCAA. Uh, so I reserve the right to maybe change that one. So the uh, only other team we haven't talked about in the ACC, uh, Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech is a team, this is their third year in a row, uh, and for a school that has really struggled for basketball consistency, uh, you know, Buzz Williams has been the the stabilizing force in that program. Uh, the Hokies are in the top ten um, as far as three point shooting goes, and I think the big news for Virginia Tech, or I don't, I don't think Justin Robinson is coming back. And so, yes. why is this important? Well, Justin Robinson was you know, basically the oil that the engine needed to run for this team. Yep. And when he went out, 
Virginia Tech really was kind of waffling, you know, weren't playing very consistent. Um, offensively, they were really poor. They learned how to play really strong defense. Kerry Blackshear surfaced to be, in my opinion, an elite player uh, in the ACC. No doubt. And once they got to that Duke game in February 26th, that's when the tide turned for the Hokies offensively. And they started to figure it out. And they figured out how to play and how to win without Justin Robinson. And, you know, they haven't been perfect since. They've got two losses to Florida State in that stretch. And Florida State is a team that just gives Virginia Tech a lot of matchup problems. So I'm not going to kind of dwell on that too much. It's two games that I felt like Virginia Tech probably should have won, but they didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the big thing with Justin Robinson is I think him coming back propelled them to a four seed. I think they were probably going to be a five seed. Not that it matters. I think they were going to be kind of in the same region anyways. But we don't know what he's going to be when he comes back. We don't know if he's going to start. We don't know how many minutes he's going to play. We don't know if he's going to be any good. We do know that he's been practicing for a while. You know, he's been getting in reps. And, you know, if he's a guy who can come back at 90% of what he was, I mean, look out for the Hokies. So I've got my bracket that I put money on, and then I've got my bracket that I take a few more risks in. I might put into one kind of money pool. Um, And that that bracket, the one that I'll take a little bit more of a risk, I think if Justin Robinson is at 90% strength, you could see them beating Duke in the Sweet 16. Absolutely. Uh, Justin makes Virginia Tech a complete wild card. If, if you're getting 80% of Justin, um, if you're getting 90% of Justin, are you getting 100% of Justin? We don't know yet. Um, that's going to answer a lot of questions. I wish we had Justin for maybe one game before this tournament started just so we could kind of gauge where, where Justin would be at at this point. But for the Hokies, it's a huge boon regardless. They get a guy that, as you said, is the oil to that team's engine, basically makes other players better and adds a dynamic piece to the offense that we don't have out of the point guard slot when he's gone. Uh, Wabisabete is, you know, tries to do his best J-Rob impression but falls a little short to say the least, a little, little. Um, when you look at the sweet 16 matchup, you could see Virginia tech winning that game. I I think Virginia tech actually matches up well against Duke because of Duke's inability to hit the three. Um, Obviously adding Zion into the mix is going to be interesting. Virginia tech would have to find an answer for him. And I'm not sure uh, Kerry Blackshire is that answer. So I don't, I'm not so sure who you match up on Zion. Um, but either way, I, I think uh, Virginia Tech should cruise past St. Louis. Uh, Mississippi State, looking for a tough game there. Um, but I, I do think that Virginia Tech does get to the Sweet 16. In my bracket, I have Duke advancing, only because I'm trying to lot, not let my biases get in the way of picking a good bracket. Um, but that is one I struggled with. A, a, a Virginia Tech team with J-Rob and a much improved Kerry Blackshire from where he was in the middle point of the season is a, is a tantalizing thought if you're looking for you know uh, a strong basketball team to pick into the Elite Eight. So here's what Justin Robinson means for the Hokies from the three-point line. With him on the floor, they're 42.2% from three. 
Without him, they're 36.4%. Insane. That is a drastic difference. And Virginia Tech is a team that, without him, has been very streaky from three. And uh, Mm -hmm. if they don't get a tie outlaw going, you know, typically they tend to struggle from behind behind the arc. So um, I think with Robinson coming back, it gives the Hokies some much-needed depth. It allows Beatty to come off the bench, um, which is where he excels. You know, Blackshear is a guy who he's averaging almost 15 points a game, seven rebounds. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker has really been stepping up. You know, Virginia Tech does have an interesting matchup against St. Louis in the first round here. So, as we mentioned earlier, they were sixth in the A-10 standings heading into the tournament, and then they just ran the table, basically. So, mm-hmm. ended up winning out. Uh, beat Davidson in the semifinals, and then St. Bonaventure in the title game. And uh, the Billikens are led by Javon Bess. And, uh, you know, that's one of the guys that the Hokies are really going to have to hone in on in their opening round matchup. But at the end of the day, this is the year that Virginia Tech finally gets a win in the tournament um, under Buzz Williams. Their second round matchup is a little bit more intriguing. They've got Mississippi State, so... Well, most likely, saying Mississippi State gets by, who are they playing? Liberty. Liberty. Okay, so the Liberty Flames. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Mississippi State is a team that shoots 37% from three. They've got some big wins this year. St. Mary's, Clemson, Cincinnati, Wofford, three of those four in the tournament. Finished 10-8 and in the SEC. You know, they, they beat Auburn. Um, so they, they're right. a team that is, is nothing to, to sleep on. So, you know, the Hokies have to take care of business in this opening weekend, assuming it's going to be Mississippi state. If it winds up being Liberty, I, I don't think there's really, um, much to concern yourself about, but you know, it is basketball. It is March. Anything can happen. Um, but I think it's big for Virginia tech for a slew of reasons to make it to the sweet 16, um, especially with rumors circulating around Buzz Williams, uh, potentially going to uh, another program that I will not mention their name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, you basically hit the nail on the head with Mississippi State. Good three-point shooting team. Um, Quindary uh, is their leading scorer. Quindary Weatherspoon, who is shooting around 40% from three-point range, averaging 18 points a game. The thing I like most about Mississippi State is their experience. They've got a lot of upperclassmen leadership on that team um, and some depth as well. So getting into the Sweet 16 is going to be it's going to be tough. I would still take Virginia Tech in that mat- matchup, but that is a, that's going to be a close one. It should be a fun game to watch. Yeah, so, I mean, to me, we'll see how this plays out, but I thought the ACC was the best conference all year, and I thought the SEC was number two, and I really sure. didn't think that was arguable. Um, everybody no. else was kind of after those two, in my opinion. Uh, they just have the deepest teams. Uh, they have the best teams. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out. You never know. So, um, but an interesting uh, second-round matchup there, ACC against SEC. Let's talk the 12 versus 5 upset. So we hit on a couple of them. Uh, you've got Wisconsin against Oregon. You know, like I said, Oregon is a team, no bowl bowl, which, God, I hope. I really hope he pans out in the NBA because I love his name. Of course, one of uh, Manute Bowl's children, sure. um, and a projected lottery pick. But he's been out since January with a foot injury. But uh, Oregon comes into this tournament with an eight-game winning streak, and uh, led by kind of uh, a former five-star recruit who's really started to come on, Lewis King. 
He's averaging 19 points per game over his last three. I like Oregon over Wisconsin. Um, and I know you're taking Wisconsin with uh, with Ethan Happ. Any, uh, any other 12 against fives that are intriguing to you? Yeah, I mean, the most intriguing game of the opening weekend is going to be a 5 versus 12, Murray State versus Marquette. Um, all of the, the field of 68, the two leading scorers of the entire field of 68 play for Marquette and Murray State. Um, obviously, I'm talking about Ja Morant for Murray State, who should be a lottery pick in the NBA. And another uh, player who should be a high pick in the NBA is Marcus Howard, who's uh, you know smaller. Both are point guards, but Marcus Howard's a little smaller at five foot eleven. Um, both exciting scorers, Ja to the tune of thirty a game, but and uh, looking at Howard to the tune of twenty five a game. That's one where I've actually got Murray State pulling off the upset just because Jaw is so silky smooth. And if you haven't seen him, you've definitely seen his highlights on Twitter. You may not know him by name, but when they show highlights of, of Jaw's regular season, you're going to recognize his play. He's a, he's a guy who can really jump out of the gym, and he's made some really, really clutch plays this year. So I am looking forward to that game like crazy. Again, that's Murray State versus Marquette. Uh, Murray State the 12 versus going up against Marquette the 5. Uh, it should be really, really, really exciting. I expect that to be so close. Um, but I think we will see Murray State pull that one out at the end. But that's a game that I've got highlighted, circled, and underlined. So I can't wait for that. Yeah, that's uh, that game should be super high scoring. And, you know, like you said, Marcus Howard, 25 points a game. John Morant, 24.6, 10 assists, 1.8 steals. 81% from the free throw line. The dude is going to be a top three pick, probably going to be the pick after Zion, to be honest. And, right. you know, I Absolutely. think winning a game in the NCAA tournament will help with that. I just think this was not a great matchup for Murray State just because I think I, Marquette is good. Marquette is a very good team. Oh, sure. You know, you got Sam Hauser, yeah. Joey Hauser, um, and Scar Onum, who are all shooting at least over 39% from three-point range. I mean, this is a team that gets up and down the floor, but they're also very good defensively. They finished second in defense efficiency in league play. So um, watch out for Marquette. You know, this is a team that I have beating Murray State. I just think they have too much. Um, even though I'm a big, uh, big fan of John Morant, wouldn't be shocked if Murray State pulls the upset. But I think that Marquette-FSU game, is another one that I would have circled as a as a must watch because uh, we'll get to this later. But I've got FSU going pretty far in my bracket, and that game really, really kind of uh, concerns me for for the stability of that region. Um, sure. A couple of I agree with that. And and before we move on to, let's give a shout out to Steve Wojciechowski, coach at Marquette. Um, I'm sure many people who have grew up watching ACC basketball will recognize that name as a former Duke point guard. So, um, yeah, a little ACC callback there before we move on. Uh, there's some other intriguing matchups. You've got Arizona State against Buffalo. That's intriguing because Bobby Hurley is going against his former team. Or that could happen. Arizona State's in a play-in game, but... You know, I've got uh, I think I've got Buffalo advancing in that one. Uh, that's a team with 31 wins this year. Um, they right. beat Arizona last year in the opening round as a 13 seed, so I think they're a little bit more battle tested than Arizona State. Um, the Belmont, if Belmont wins their playing game, they are against six seed Maryland. 
Uh, that's another interesting game. You know, I came into this tournament thinking I was going to pick Belmont, but, you know, Maryland is very intriguing to me. I think they're a very good team, but they're a little hard to figure out. I mean, they're 22-10. and 10. They've got wins over Wisconsin, Purdue, but then they go and they lose in the first round of the Big Ten tournament to Nebraska. So, yep. you know, I don't like that. And I think Belmont is a very good team, you know, 25 wins. That's a tough one for me to pick. I just went chalk on it just because sure. my gut is telling me Maryland is going to to at least advance to the second round. Yeah, uh, the same way. I had the same struggle. I picked uh, Belmont initially. I ended up changing that because I thought I was falling for, you know, the mid-major whose name I recognize. Um and whose, whose season I liked, but Maryland, I think in the end is going to win that one. Um, you know, just thinking with my head and not my heart again on that one, but, uh, I, I had the same issue as you when it came to that game. So what is, what is the biggest upset you have in your bracket right now? The biggest upset I have in my bracket, let me make sure that I'm not, uh, not fibbing here when I say this, but I believe it is UC Irvine over Kansas state. Okay. And so what is that? A 13? That's a 13 over a four. Okay, so yeah. I think a 14 is going to pull an upset this year. And I okay. learned a, a valuable lesson last year, and I think it's going to carry over into this year. I do not like picking teams that have big issues off the court. Oh, I know where you're going with this, Justin. And there's a certain team from the Ivy League by the name of Yale <laughs> – yeah, go Bulldogs. Uh, they have a guy, Mai Oni, I believe is how you say his name. According to yep. Coach K, they played Duke earlier this year. Coach K believes in this guy that he's going to be a first-round pick. 17.6 points a game. Yale is one of those sneaky Ivy League teams. I like picking an Ivy League team yeah. occasionally. You know, occasionally it's Harvard, could be Yale. I, I like yeah. them over LSU. The, the whole... Will Wade situation is kind of a bigger deal than I think. And to be honest, I think anything that LSU does this year is going to be wiped clean um, in probably right. five or six years when nobody cares. But um, I I like Yale just because of all the distractions. LSU hasn't been very crisp since uh, since – They've been without their coach, so we'll see what happens. But I'm locking in Yale for the 14 over three upset. I like it. I almost went with it for the same exact reason as you. Um, you gotta hate the tournament games dealing with uh, any sort of noise off court heading in towards the end of the season. And man, LSU, they've been put through the ringer, rightfully or wrongfully, however you stand, whichever side of the, the coin you land on there. Um, it also has to do with, like you said, the matchup. Yale's a good team with a with a, a, a bona fide star. So that's a tough first-round matchup for LSU. I picked LSU, but not without uh, uh, trepidation. So uh, any Cinderella picks, and by Cinderella I mean five-seed or higher, making it to at least the Sweet 16. So five-seed or higher, I'm going to go with Sweet 16. I've got Auburn. Uh they're going going to play North Carolina as we mentioned before. Um, the lowest I would say after that Iowa State I have in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, they're a team I really like, and I have them going past Houston in the second round. Uh, something to to keep your eye on there. I think Iowa State's a very good team, 
And uh, yeah, Villanova I have getting into the Sweet 16 as well. And a lot of that is due mainly to Villanova's experience in their head coach, Jay Wright, who I love. Yeah, so let me tell you a little story about Iowa State. I will never put that team past the second round <laughs> for as long as I live because <laughs> they burned me three years in a row. Three years in a row they oh, burned man. me. So I'm done with Iowa State, okay? You can you can go on past Ohio State, but Houston is going to destroy them in the second round, okay? And that's that's all there is about it. I've got Buffalo in the Sweet 16. It's a little bit of a trendy pick. I just don't like Texas Tech that much, to be honest with you. Uh, they're in the Big 12, which I'm not high on. And uh, just the, the more I look at it, you know, if you lose to West Virginia in the opening in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament, oh, man, I mean, they, they came into that tournament pretty hot. I reserved the right to change it, but I had them going further earlier, but then I was just, I just didn't feel good about it. So I went Buffalo. Um, I've also got Villanova. There's no way I'm not putting them in the Sweet 16. Uh, definitely like them over Purdue. Um, but I've got got their run ending there. And I've also got Maryland in the Sweet 16. So I've got Maryland beating Belmont and then beating Yale. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, and I said five seeds. Obviously, I've, I've got Auburn in the Sweet 16. So probably should have sure. been greater than a five seed. Sure. So uh, so that takes us, Tim, to the final four. So who do you got and who are you picking as your national champion? Okay, so my final four consists of Duke and Florida State on one side. Um, going through this bracket filling out that we we did, and obviously I, I stewed. I only fill out one bracket a year um, for personal reasons. I just I like to to know who I picked in every game, and if I pick more than you know a, a couple teams and differently in certain games, and I get lost, and I got to have my little pen and my highlighter, so. This works out best for me, but this exercise, I just realized that Florida State's lining up okay on their side of the bracket, and I, I hope I'm not falling for it, but there's a lot of height, and there's a lot of athletic play, and there's a lot of good shooters on that Florida State team, and I really like what they've done towards the end of the season. Um, I see them in the Final Four against Duke on one side of the bracket. Um, that's a game I have Duke winning, so I have Duke going to the national title. Uh, on the other side of the coin, uh, and again, this may be subject to change based on something I choose, but right now I have Tennessee and North Carolina um, with Tennessee advancing in that game. And my national championship pick is the Tennessee Volunteers. So reasoning behind that, I know that's kind of a, a pick out of left field there. Um, I love Admiral Schofield. I think he's absolutely fantastic basketball player. Grant Williams, who's out of Charlotte, North Carolina, is also fantastic, averaging about 19 points and eight rebounds a game. Big numbers for a forward. Um, the thing I like most about Tennessee is their depth, a lot of depth on that Tennessee team. And it's rare that you see six players, your six leading scorers, are either juniors or seniors. It doesn't happen this day and age anymore. That level of experience, along with Rick Barnes, who's a, a battle-tested coach, he's been around to say the least, I think we're going to see the Tennessee Volunteers win a college basketball championship. How crazy is that? Yeah, Tim, you know, I don't think that's uh I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I've got Tennessee in the final four as well. I think they're probably arguably one of the most complete teams in the country. You know, they've got uh 
they've got nine or they've got an eight man rotation. Uh, they were the best offense in the SEC. They were the number two defense during the regular season. You know, they're uh, they're a team that is going to give Virginia a lot of matchup issues, I think, in the Elite Eight, and I think that's kind of where Virginia's run ends. Uh, the other team I've got, uh, Tennessee, going against is North Carolina. So North Carolina is a school that, uh, again, I, I reserve the right to change North Carolina here, but um, I think they're the best team in their bracket. They've played well all season, uh, especially towards the second half, um, but I think, uh, I think Tennessee just gives them few too many matchup issues and I also match you on the other side I've got Duke against Florida State Florida State is a team that you know like I said they've got size they were in the Elite Eight last year they've been here before uh, Leonard Hamilton has those guys rolling uh, they played really well in the ACC tournament I really like them a lot and uh, you know I, I would not be surprised if they make it to the Final Four I don't think they get past Duke who Duke is a team that like I said, in my fun bracket, I've got Virginia Tech beating Duke. But if I'm uh, being serious about it, uh, Duke is a team that's going to be very tough to beat. Uh, they are beatable. I'm not saying that they're not beatable. But, um, you know, look out for Duke. And I've got Duke beating Tennessee. I think Zion is just too much to handle. He's, he's just got this vibe about him right now that... You know, he just refuses to lose. And the first time that I saw it was the game against Louisville where he just, there was something that came out inside of him that was, it reminded me, and I hate to give this guy credit, but it reminded me of LeBron James in the finals, in the finals that he won in Cleveland, where he just all of a sudden got this different gear and there was going to be no stopping him. And I think what we're seeing in Zion is Zion is what LeBron would have been to college basketball had LeBron been forced to go play college, college hoops, um, except Zion's much more likable. And uh, I think um, I think he's just going to take it to the end, and I think they're probably going to win a national championship. So Duke has been my pick from the start of the year. Uh, you know, they've given me doubts throughout, um, but... I think the Duke-Tennessee matchup can be the best national championship we've seen since the Villanova-North Carolina national championship a few years ago. Um, I don't know where you stand on that, but it sounds like we're on a similar page in the in, as far as our Final Four goes. Yeah. yeah, same championship game, same Final Four. Um, pretty, pretty crazy, actually, that it lines up like that. But I'm with you. I think a final of Tennessee and Duke would just be a, a game for the ages. You'd have the senior and, and junior upperclassmen leadership of Tennessee going versus, you know, against the fantastic freshman of Duke and, and Zion in particular. Um, you know, what a game that could be. Uh, and agree and echo all your comments, too. And um, you know, Florida State getting into a Final Four would be a, a monumentous occasion for that program and um, something that Leonard Hamilton could really hang his hat on. So a lot of storylines to follow as we, we move on to the first weekend and the second, uh, well, the first weekend in the, in the first, second rounds and, and see what we have shaking in this NCAA tournament. And, you know, the next podcast will be even more exciting. I can promise you that. Yeah, you know, one thing to note, though, so... Like I said, this was the first time since 2009 that, you know, one conference got three teams as a one seed. None of those teams made the Final Four in 2009. 
So we'll see. Uh, we'll see <laughs> if the ACC can get one or two of them there. Um, but that is gonna do it for us today. You know, we are Chowder and Grits. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And before you turn this off, go and join our ESPN Tournament Challenge bracket. It is Chowder and Grits. You are going to want to join in on that, get in on the fun. Tim, why don't you tell these fine people how they can uh, they can help us out? You can help us out by dropping a rating of, of five stars on any of the programs that you listen to, whether that be the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, um, or Spotify, whichever of those that you subscribe to, or any of the others that Justin mentioned. Any rating helps us, but specifically good ratings will help draw more attention to our podcast, which is what we're hoping to do, reach as many ACC fans across the nation as we possibly can. We thank you as always for listening. Um, Stay tuned to our Facebook feed for the login information for our ESPN Bracket Challenge. We hope as many of you will join as you possibly can, although you won't be defeating me, I can promise you that. I'm going to ride Tennessee to the top of that Bracket Challenge, Um, but I look forward to the attempts from all of you. Uh, As always, we appreciate you listening, and we look forward to speaking with you guys next week. We certainly hope you enjoy the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Send us your mailbag questions, and we look forward to answering you. Uh, And, yeah, we'll wrap it all up next week, drop any ACC news that we see fit, and uh, predict the next round of the tournament as usual. We'll talk to you guys later and leave you with a Go ACC!